You're listening to ND Fan Radio on One Foot Down, part of the SB Nation family of blogs. I keep my hands on myself. Mighty fine day to you, sir. Indeed. ND Fan Radio is back on One Foot Down, the One Foot Down podcast, part of the SB Nation family of blogs. Welcome, everybody, to the Temple Recap Show. Your Fighting Irish are victorious. Go Irish. Go Irish. Be owls. Be owls. (laughs) Who? 49 to 16. Got to be happy about that. I was getting hammered on Twitter at Irish Tightness. Uh, I was getting... <laughs> so many sentences start that way. You like you like you like how I worked that in there? Getting hammered on all over Twitter. You have to be happy, right? You, tightness, you have to be happy about. That. You have to. My brother didn't ask me that. My brother to my left, Andy McFly at Andy McFly. I didn't ask if you were happy with the result. Did you? I, I save Twitter? it for here. Yeah, okay. Are, are you happy with the result? We'll we'll get there. We'll, we'll, get, we'll there. get there. To my right, cousin JJ. Best day ever. Dynamite. All right. Well, here we are, ready to uh, talk about the uh, the beatdown, really. I mean, they, they beat down. They're not quite fitty. They didn't quite hang fitty on them, but 49 is not, uh, not a bad result for game one. No, beat, not at all. Beatdown Tom, Population Temple. Best podcast ever. Best uh, podcast ever. Thank you to all the listeners out there. We stripped out how many of the listens were actually our friends and family that we coerce into listening, and then we took out, like, the bots that are just like crawling the web and stumbling upon our podcast. And I think it was like, you know, a couple hundred people listened to it after that was stripped out. Oh, baloney. Yeah, it was more than that. I just want to say a quick thank you to all the listeners um, and all the tweeters and retweeters. We had some people say, I found you for the first time. We had some people say, I I lost you guys. I found you, which happens every single year. We are like the prize at the bottom of a cereal box. You just got to find us. Um, you but, just but gotta here. keep buying the sugary garbage cereal. <laughs> Absolutely, that, that's gonna rot always after me. Lucky Charms. It's gonna rot your teeth out and um, give you a sixty cent prize at the bottom. I have a real quick. I was playing some of our last podcast in front of my children, which is really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! And my let's see, she's the second one, number two. She said. Your podcast is a gramble of words. A gramble? And I said, that seems appropriate. She's like, you guys just talk over each other. It's a gramble of words. Well, that's, that's Uncle Wessie. He's well, usually drunk. Right, exactly. Well, sorry, that's probably not going to change. Okay, let's open with some easy, simple stuff. I know that you guys weren't there. This was a this was a tele, televised game experience for you, but did the stadium feel any different? Was there anything of note there? The telecast, you got Tariko now. Did, did any of that kind of stuff matter to you guys? Did the stadium look and feel different? Um, cousin JJ, you said maybe the crowd was light, uh, the parking lot was light. What's the story here? Are so, we? So my wife went up to the game with her with her brother and uh, his wife. They had a great time. I think they, she just left you at home. They, or I was you... watching the three the three kids, the three monkeys. Wow. Man, I All was right. just 
husband of the year over here. You know, it's great. Um, but she said that the the lot outside the stadium, she sent me a couple photos, was kind of empty, which was weird. There's a lot of empty spots. So I'm not sure what the deal with that was. Uh, also, as I had mentioned in previous shows, the student section was looking a little bit thin there. For... Oh, it's just because they cram together. They stand together. That's why. <sighs> it was it was 65 degrees. Everybody had to, hu- <laughs> had to huddle together for warmth. Yeah, exactly. It was perfect weather sent directly from God. Did this game sell out at the last minute? What was the they, story it was there? Prob- I would have to it spend was, too much time. It was time a couple it. hours before the game. Okay. They, they had finally announced a sellout. Now, they announced a sellout. Who knows? And a portion and a, of the endowment has to be siphoned off or something. You might as well yeah, the what? The like tickets, a, like you know? a, a final ticket buyer named Blonde Blankens bought <laughs> bought sixty eight hundred tickets. No today money. <laughs> now let me let me say this. I'm not saying this just coincidentally. We have talked a lot on this podcast, and I don't want to start in anything that's bad, but. Do you guys? Why not? Before the game, <laughs> why not? That's what, what we do. That's what people have come to expect from us. Why talk about you know the the half mile of rushing yards we got? Why? No, here's the question: Do do either of you think that is actually a little bit of market response to some of the stuff we've talked about? There's expense. There are, the tickets are expensive. The the parking is expensive. Are people like you know what? I'm gonna wait and see. If you can pull this off against Georgia, it, what what was happening? There was a beautiful day. It was a home opener. Why wouldn't that game be sold out right off the bat? Is it because some people are being pushed to the limit? Um, what what else what else could it be? Yeah, no, exactly. what else, no I mean, really, right. I like I, this. I'm not being flippant, but what else could it be? I mean, the stadium is brand new. They've got all these amenities. They've got a taco bar in the stadium. They've got art deco fonts to remind you of the last time Notre Dame was worth a crap, you know, back in the, back in the twenties. I mean, all this stuff would say, yes, you want to be here. You want to see the renovation. You want to see the jumbotron. There are, there's a myriad of reasons why somebody would want to go and, and be a part of this inaugural experience. And if it, and if that, and if that didn't come to fruition, what else could it be? Yeah. It wasn't the weather. I mean, temples, you know, not great opponent. They're okay. They're a super cup. They're not a regular cupcake. They're a super cupcake. But we talked about but last week. There's no opener. expectation that the opener is going to be some big splashy opponent. I mean, they've had they've had no, not USF unless you're Alabama and... or Florida or Michigan or well, yeah, Florida but... State or you know some of those. Look, teams, I don't but... think they had a problem selling out the Nevada game or the USF game or Purdue or or Temple the first time. Yeah, I knows? mean, this is I, different, isn't it? I think they reduced the capacity of the stadium too by a couple grand, right? I, who knows? I, I don't That's care. What I'm saying. I don't really care. And I don't care to spend a ton of time on it either because I know one thing that's going to be freaking packed for Georgia. Well, I would hope so. I just think it's funny that sitting on those wooden benches, it has no problem selling out. And then all of a sudden you dress the place up and you make it nicer. And it just goes to show you that the <laughs> yeah, product yeah. on the field has to be there. People, right? like, people like dive bars. What are you going to say? People... <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. I want the splinter, splinter ridden, uh, you know, bench seat with the, uh, you know, eight inches for my 12 inch ass. Listen, that's wall art. Now they actually took the benches and you go in the, up in the suites and they had these, these benches as wall art. It's the, you can buy You can buy a single seat for 50 bucks a whack. I if bought 50 bucks a whack. I for, bought for, one. No, did you? you? I did, did not. For, was I it a did. single number? Oh, I bought a single. $50 per number? Is I that what did. It is? Full disclosure. I knew this was going to come oh. up. I started, get, I started getting sweaty over here. As soon as you <laughs> talked about it, I was like, I'm going to have to admit. Mark, the, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. Did, now, here's did, the now, thing. does your wife know this? Is this she knows. Is this akin to your... She knows. Uh, to, to your, your it's se- for her. Secret, it's a present for her. Secret mission to see Notre Dame USC 05? Oh, geez. Ooh. Okay. You cut me deep. Hopefully, you cut me deep. your wife is not listening to this podcast. Here's, here's the thing. I 
I don't collect a lot of things. I collect ticket stubs, which are kind of going out of style because of e-ticketing. And I just, the physical aspect of I want a ticket stub and I want to see a fullback, damn it. <laughs> right, exactly. I want natural gas and a paper stub. Um, <laughs> I, I got to be honest, that type of, the physical element of. peanuts. Of, Right, exactly. <laughs> peanuts. I did. I said peanuts last podcast. I didn't enunciate, and I listened to it. Do you know how many like, families? Do you know how many families whoa, we lost whoa. last week? <laughs> Our number in the wah, family wah, demographic wah. plummeted <laughs> right when that. I, I said peanuts really fast. I'm sorry. Okay, we can talk later about my collectible habits. I have some other weird stuff that would maybe freak people out, but it's a physical piece of <laughs> fingers <history>. stuff in <laughs> formaldehyde. What? Let's leave the t- yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, so enough of that, right? So the the point is, I think Notre Dame they need to keep producing on the field to keep the stadium full. I think we all know that, but I think I you two, I think that you two kind of there's a part of you that kind of wanted to see a non-sellout to believe that this whole thing was happening. So again, we don't have to spend a ton of time. Thanks for projecting. No, the only thing I really want to say, did you watch the onward Notre Dame before the game? No, No. dude. Yeah. I just come on. I'm not a fanboy. I'm not buying pieces of stadium. $50. I caught a little bit of it because I saw somebody say something about it on Twitter. Bettis was narrating it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a total propaganda piece as you would expect. The reason that here's the reason I bring this up though. I, I was sitting as I'm sitting there and I'm I'm cracking my first beer of the day. It got me thinking. You know, a lot of people say the NBC deal doesn't matter anymore, right? Like, NBC deal is not as big of a deal as it used to be. I mean, every team's on TV. Georgia Tech's playing Tennessee right now on ESPN. You know, ABC. All these other teams have a chance to be televised, which is all 100% true. However, how many schools get to run a freaking 30 minute infomercial before their game? Right, I mean, I, right. I I saw that, and I just that that's what made me think that. That they get to put a marketing, a thirty second or a thirty minute infomercial out here about why everything is bigger than brick and whatever, and you don't get to do that on other stations, and that does, and that is material, I think, to uh, to the to the NBC deal. I, I think that still matters. I agree, and not I only agree. I don't, not only that, let's talk about all the stuff on the web that they do. You can go back, you can watch the games, and NBC is doing a lot of that stuff, very high level of production. Now Notre Dame's. Um, whatever they call it, their video production department has ramped up in the past few years, but there's a lot of schools that are doing this on their own. They don't have a major national network, even doing the web stuff. And I'm not saying the website is great, but you can at least go, you can't go back and watch a Purdue game. I don't, why would you want to like clockwork orange or something? Come on, man. You're wearing Purdue gear and that's, you exposed yourself. (laughs) 1038. That's what it took. Come on. Did you buy a, did you buy a Ross aid bench? How much was that? It's eleven dollars. They actually paid you fifty dollars to take that power. I could just walk by the dumpster and grab a piece. Too old, Purdue. For the record, cousin JJ holds multiple degrees from multiple universities, so we give we give him a pass here. One, well, at least he's degreed, but one of them is Purdue, so we won't. Hey, Purdue, Purdue showed up. Half half intellectual, half yeehaw. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, fine. Let's 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 get into what you guys want to talk about. Hashtag RTDB. Was this was this Irish tightness? Like was this eu- euphoric? Was this the 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 um the rapture? That's what there, that's the word I'm looking for. Funny. Was this the rapture for you? There, I four hundred. Honey, honey. So, hey, oh my gosh, sorry, that's so loud. God, some somebody literally just drove off, <laughs> off drove sorry. off the road. You just blew out some dude's <laughs> Pioneer six by nine in the back of his Cutlass just now. The, kid, the joke the, I was making is: Did you up. say, "Honey, honey, it's finally happening"? You know, Were you yelling from the no, living room? I like, wasn't. This is... this is what I've been expecting for like seven years. I, I got seven uh, years. Every seven years. 
Well, that's how long Kelly's been the coach. You've been expecting 400 rush yards. I, no, I mean, uh, legit. Here, all right, look. I mean, go look at hashtag RTDB, and you're going to see Ned Flanders all up in that shit. He's going to net Irish tightness is going to be all over RTDB. There's, uh, Were you the first one to tweet that? I don't know. Tag? It doesn't matter. But there, it's no secret that I'm a proponent of running the football. It just it's makes sense. Tackling people and running the football are two things that in the scope of in the scope of a game make a hell of a lot of sense to be committed to. And, you know, I got every tightness. You, you can't tell me you're not happy. You know, hey, what do you think about this? I mean, I'm just I'm getting it from every angle. Subway Domer calls me after he does. He was in the press box. He calls me on his way home, which, by the way, may be part of the reason that that lot was sparsely populated right there uh, at, at, at the Joyce. They're putting a lot of people over innovation park across the street he said he said media was way the hell over there so <laughs> i don't know um nevertheless i know i mean it was cool it was great to see i was happy to see it um but it's like one of those things like you've been asking your kid to clean his room for five years and then they finally do it i'm not gonna throw a party i mean honey you, you finally just clean the room you finally did it and then people were saying like I think Pete Sampson or somebody tweeted out, like, you know, Brian Kelly is, like, giddy, de- jovial, downright, uh, whatever it was in the, in the in, about his running game in the post-game press conference. And it's like, yeah, he's, that's a great feeling, isn't it, when you run all over somebody? It's a great feeling. It's like Stanford Absolutely. and Wisconsin and Michigan and all these – these guys, those coaches feel that every single week. You know, and you and I'm glad you just got your first hit, you know, that high. It's a hell of a high. Hopefully he keeps coming back to that drug, trying to get that same high for the rest of the year. But but I'm not going to, like, proclaim mission accomplished like George Bush with, with, you know, (laughs) with a 9000 point font sign behind me because it's one game again on the first opponent. Furthermore, you know, I went back and looked at the first game of Notre Dame's first game every single year under Brian Kelly. The rushing attempts are right in line with what he's done every single game. He's had average 41 rushing attempts in his first games every single year. That That's the average for seven games. They had 44 rushing attempts against Temple. Granted, a hell of a lot more yards, but 41 versus 44, right in line. What concerns me is in game two every single year, the rushing attempts drop, drop down to 30, 30 right. 33, right. so they drop off by 10. The, the, the 41% pass, 59% run is... Brian Kelly's game one average going into Temple, okay? So 40% pass, 60% run. Sounds like a winning formula to me. Sure as hell look like it against Temple, okay? But in game two, he goes to 55% pass and 45% run. So I'm I'm thrilled. I love seeing it. Josh Adams, great. I love to see Dexter Williams get the TD at the end. I thought he got shortchanged when he ran, you know, had a 25, 35, whatever the hell yard run it was, and they put in Tony Jones Jr. That's a little, you know, whatever. I was I love to see the running. I may be super, super happy about it. It's one game. It's right in line with what he's done and his average for first games. And it still concerns me that it drops off in game two on average under Brian Kelly. We'll see if it happens under Brian Kelly 2.0. Okay, so the team does exactly what you've been describing for five years, and you can't be pleased. Cousin J- <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, Cousin JJ, let me let me, it's let me a, fl- It's no. a great start. I, I, I agree, and I like the fact that you brought up some stats about the carries being right in line and—, and who doesn't think that maybe that number is going to slightly go down against Georgia? But before we get there, Cousin JJ, 
my, my brother here, Wesley, just outlined, you know, why this was like, hey, this is what I've been saying all along. But let's be honest here. Three 100-yard rushers, 400 yards rushing, a, a commitment to it throughout the game. Did it feel different to you as far as the offensive MO of Brian Kelly? Or do you think it's it's what he just described, which is it's the first game, you're running at will. Yeah, why wouldn't you do that? No, it definitely felt different to me. I mean, it really, really felt different. This is what I've been waiting for since, what, 93? I mean, we just came out there, and we looked like a team that should just beat a team that was absolutely inferior to us. Like, we looked, we outclassed them in every aspect of the game. Uh, I loved the running the football. We've talked about this in, in years past podcasts that you need to run the football between 50 and 60% of the time if you want to win a national championship. Clemson last year ran about 48% of the time, which was low if you go back and look at national championships. You're talking so, about play selection. Yeah, play not, selection. Not yardage. Not yardage, gauge. but okay. play selection attempts. And so. I was really excited to see us run the ball about 59-60% of the time in the last game. I mean, that's that's a, that's a recipe for success if we can do that against teams who have sub defenses like say Georgia. So yeah, I could not have been happier, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of, you know, can't be pleased. I'm kind of like that too. Like I was cheering, I was screaming at the end of the game. I kind of gave Slow clap. I was just like, great. Like you should have been doing I, this forever. I, I like, mean, okay. Yeah. Also. No, I agree. And 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 don't get me wrong. I am thrilled. I mean, five rushing touchdowns is exciting. That that's great to see. The, the the thing that I guess what what I'm actually most excited about is in what maybe gives me hope in Brian Kelly 2.0. There was a period when Josh Adams had an 11 yard run for a first down, and then they threw three incomplete passes right in a row and punted. And I was like. Here we go again. Right. But, and this was like mid early in the second quarter, I think. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's it. They've already abandoned the run, right? And but, and but here's yeah, that's my fear. And that and that's 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 the and, fear, and, right? And that's what it was looking Ugh. like. And the fact that they didn't, they came back right back to the run. That gives me hope. Again. I mean, Brian Kelly's average score in his first games is thirty-seven to seventeen. That's what I predicted. They ended up forty-nine to sixteen. So they came up with an extra two scores, which I believe are a result of going back to the running game and being able to actually do it. But just, this is what we're all we're all fearing, and, and Wes hit the nail on the head. We're all fearing when you face a, a component who goes up by a score or ten points on you. Brian Kelly's default is to what? Just start flinging the ball every single play and pass the ball 60-70% of the time. And, and that's not a recipe for success for any team that's going to win an extra championship or make a playoff run. And so I'm sitting here saying, okay, let's all, let's pump the brakes. Let's look at Georgia. And once we get against that solid defense, let's see if he can be disciplined enough to run the darn ball. But let me let me ask you guys this. And I know we don't get too much into the actual play selection and players and stuff, but when I look at this receiving core, and I'm, my eyes are really drawn to the stats on the screen here, which show the long runs. And we've talked in the past, myself at least, about Josh Adams being a very quietly electric running back. And and Dex, this guy needs he needs a nickname. I don't know what it is. I mean, 66-yarder, you know, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. And when you look at the long and passing – Traditionally, those were very flip-flopped. I mean, ESB has a 34 and Smythe has a 25, but traditionally the big plays were, like we talked about last well, week, was Will Fuller, right? It was, the, that, it was the deep bomb. So you're seeing the electricity and the playmaking in the backfield. And, and when I look at the names here on the people that are leading in receptions, I mean, look, I love these guys to death, but 
Smythe, White Wisher. I mean, are these guys going to really be a stout receiving core this year? I think the running backs are finally the more talented group. Well, and there have been years in the past where that's also been the case, and they just didn't get exploited. And and right, and, and which right. was the most f- infuriating stuff. Was it like I the mean, Greg Bryant's first year? We talked so much about how we have like five running backs. Who I mean, you ter- know. there was a, a point in time where I think Terry and Folston was the uh, the freshman running back to. Jonas Gray, you know, whatever it was. I mean, look, they they've been so stacked at running back over the years, and Dexter and, Williams looked yeah, really good. He did. They all do. Look, I mean, you know, they're aver- they're average ten yards a rush. That's phenomenal as a team. As a team, <laughs> those are Cincinnati numbers, man. You go back and look at what the, Brian Kelly did in Cincinnati rushing. Noth- that's it. There's nothing to not like about that. It's great, despite the fact that it's Temple. Which, by the way, I got a slight nit maybe to pick real quick if you guys don't mind. Go ahead. I think I saw one of the beat writers, and I don't know if this was like a Brian Kelly talking point because he said it in the press conference too, and then somebody said it before the press conference, and then I saw another beat guy say it after the press conference about something, something, something. You know, it's great to have this level of success, especially against a team that won 10 games last year. Which? I take a look. That's factually true. But don't spin it like Temple's some juggernaut. I mean, just you don't need to do that. I mean, you don't need that to. to, It's a nice win against a. uh, They're not a. You know. Yeah, they're AAC. I they're, mean, we talked about it last week. It's not a bag of trash that you're just kicking around the alleyway. I mean, it's a legitimate team, with it, you know. But let's be honest. They just replaced a three or four year starter QB. They've got two defense, you know, D linemen that are in the NFL. They got a, bra- a first year brand new head coach. So let's just. I mean, it's a nice win against Temple. I, I don't want to take anything away from it. But you don't. This is a. You know, we went out and pounded the rock against a team that. A, team that won 10 games last year like okay that, that's a step too far just like them this is like say oh temple you just got crushed by a team that only won four games last year right the, the, exactly. different teams different years completely different scenarios i just it, it's a nice win i don't think you need to say oh, against a team that won 10 games that, that's a bit much can i say we're undefeated we're in Notre Dame's undefeated. Hey, and I'll tell you what undefeated. i am much i mean it took it until this game for me to finally Control Alt Delete four and eight from my mind. Up until this game was over, Notre Dame was a, still a four to me a four and eight team. Now they're one and zero, and that's it, a good. It, it's still in my mind. No, I'm never gonna forget that. But this team, I, but now I identify this team as a one and zero team, and even through spring ball and up until and despite all the propaganda and nice Twitter things that are coming out from the ND Twitter handle and all this great stuff, that still was a four and eight team. Now finally. And I'm happy to put that behind me. They are a one and O team, and that's a hell, that's a hell of a thing to at sure. least well, get rid of for the for l- the near term. That's a great segue. Let's just keep rolling, cousin JJ. Is there a danger of taking too much hype from this game? Too much. You mentioned euphoria in our pre-show text chain. I don't know if anybody's feeling euphoric other than people that like running the ball. But is, is there a danger here in saying, "Oh, bring on Georgia"? Like, is that what's happening right now? And that's scary, right? If people are actually acting that way. So I think our our fans out there need to pull the car over and pull up at Irish Tightness and look at the poll that he posted. If we're talking about people being euphoric, he posted, "What's three players from Notre Dame's team are, gonna, are most likely to win the Heisman?" No, I, didn't I just say like, most likely. I, I said, "What is Notre Dame's oh most?" Gosh. I said, "What is Notre Dame's most vibe?" 
viable Heisman candidate. <laughs> I was like, that has to be the bourbon talking. I, that, no, listen, I, that that wasn't me. That wasn't me geez. being euphoric. My my kid tweeted that. It listen, wasn't me. No, was it at least time stamped in September, or did you actually put that in I put, August? I put it like right? in the second quarter. Oh I, my gosh, I think that's funny. That's what I'm talking about right there. I I don't I I'm not saying any of those guys are going to win the Heisman. I'm saying that just in case. No, 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 no. Look, I'm saying that there are so many people that are flying so freaking high, backpedaling quicker than Deion Sanders. I have no problem. No, I tweet. I thought it was funny to tweet out. I I was curious to see what people felt like at that period of time. It's the same reason we do this podcast, Indie Fan Radio. It's a timestamp. It's a time capsule of the emotion of of us in this show as fans at this period of time. And I was curious to see what people thought. I was just waiting for the next poll. How many national championships is Brian Kelly going to win in the next three years? I mean, anybody anybody with a pulse that's been paying attention knows that. You're probably not going to go that way. But but for the record, (laughs) since you brought it up, 55% of respondents thought Josh Adams would would be Notre Dame's most viable Heisman candidate. Second place win. Bush at 34%, St. Brown at 11%. How many votes? How many 162. Okay, how about we Not bring bad. how about we bring that back to something that's a little bit more logical? Who's the from what you saw, one game very early is Josh Adams the most important player on the team right now? Is that a fair way to no, say it? No, no way. You don't think so? No, most I mean I think he's he might be the best or maybe the most impactful from a yard I, standpoint but if you lose I, Wimbush like I, that's that's bad. I, I, I don't look, I mean I I don't know who I heard say this if it was on Twitter, if it was somebody's podcast, I, I, feel like, I forget what it was, but I heard somebody say probably two weeks ago that Stefferson being out wasn't that big of a deal because Notre Dame has a ton of depth at receiver. And I assume that person would walk back that statement dramatically after seeing this game. If you ask me right now, who do I think is the most important person to this team, at least offensively? I gotta say, Equinemius St. Brown because he's the only person you can reliably throw to. He's the only person you can catch a freaking ball and get lined up at receiver. I mean, Josh Adams, yes, huge, huge, huge piece of the puzzle here. I mean, they're gonna if they don't lean on this guy heavily throughout the season, they're insane. But if he went down, I feel like Jones and Dexter Williams could do something. I feel like they could build around it. Wimbush, I mean, yeah, he, he he's a nice talent, but he it's not like you're losing a three-year starter or anything. I, I suspect that Ian Book can hand the ball off to Josh Adams if, if, if Wimbush went down. If EQ goes out and Stefferson's not coming in, they, is, they become one-dimensional instantly, in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree. I'd like to answer your original question. The original question was, is it like, is it okay for fans to be feeling euphoric and be excited about this? Yeah, I was so excited. I, I encourage being excited. I just, my, our, my, my, let me speak in terms of me, my job is to bring people back down to the ground and, and have realistic expectations moving forward. That's based the on job statistics. of a surface-to-air missile. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might as well call me call me a scud then or something. What, I don't what know, What a man, sad existence. You, all you I'm saying that is, would be a patriot. All I'm saying is we have no idea what Temple is. Temple could be a, a one and eleven team. We have no idea. So, like, I want to see what Georgia's what happens with Georgia and, and moving forward after Georgia. It's like, okay, if we beat Georgia, you know, they're missing their starting QB. There's a lot of things there. Absolutely, and great. I'm excited. We beat Georgia. That's awesome. But I'm still not Heisman. Who's who's gonna win the Heisman? Yeah. You know, are we gonna make the play? I mean, okay, let's 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 pump. For the, the record, I never said who's gonna win the Heisman. I said who is their most viable candidate. Which if they keep winning, they will get some hype. There's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. We're going 12 and 0 national championship. Let's Co- go. Continue the joke. Okay, so let let's dig a little bit in into Wimbush. Were there any concerns of what what you actually saw happening out there? You got you talked about you know it wouldn't. 
granted, obviously, anytime you lose the QB, and we're going to see that next week, we're going to see what Georgia has to how they're going to how they're going to reinvent themselves. We're going to see Florida State have to reinvent themselves now. Are there any concerns you guys saw? You know, QB, it, it's a position we all watch. Part of me thought. I couldn't help but think about Deshaun Kaiser during this game. And I, I know he's on to greener past years. I know that I saw that Kelly said he's quote unquote thrilled for Kaiser. I'm sure a lot of people thought maybe that was disingenuous because they felt like he slighted him in the past saying he wasn't ready. But, you know, in Cleveland, like, you know, you just grab somebody from a bus stop and they're ready to play quarterback if you're the Browns. Do you do you guys feel like um, did you see enough from Wimbush that like he's going to easily replace Kaiser, or do you feel like there's still a vacuum there of of leadership or talent that was missing? I feel like Kaiser is kind of a complex character in the in last year's narrative, and I just wonder if Wimbush is thus far granted just one game is he filling the shoes? Yeah, he's definitely filling the shoes. I mean, let's look. I just pulled the QBR for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's QBR versus Purdue was sixty two point four. Who has a better chance to win the Heisman, and Lamar was- Jackson or Brandon Wimbush? Oh, Lamar Jackson. Okay, sorry. Stop it. Oh, my gosh. 62.4, and, and Brandon Wilbush had an 83.7. I mean, he, he made a couple boneheaded moves, but he's he's a new starter. You expect that, but I, I'm really excited and encouraged by what I saw. Even even uh, Jameis Winston had a lot of turnovers his last year at Florida State. I mean, it, it happens. Uh, Clemson turned the ball over a lot, so I, I, I could not be more excited about Brandon Wimbush, and I think the future hopefully is bright. We'll see. Do you want to see... Irish Titanist. Do you want to see... Thank you for referring to me by my proper name. You're welcome. I thought you weren't going to call him Titanist. <laughs> Do you... This is big brother, little brother to a T. Do you want to see a world where Brandon Wimbush is running for 100 yards per game, or are we going to pull back from that, which no, is something I... else that we've talked about in the past. I am okay with Wimbush running 80 to 100 yards per game. I think Wimbush is going to have a nice season. I think that he's going to fill the Kaiser void well. I, I suspect that he's probably a better like more respected by his teammates or that people will rally behind him maybe a little bit more than Kaiser and I don't know if that's a dig on Kaiser per se or just a product of the whole Brian Kelly mucking up the Kaiser Zaire who's going to start swapping one guy in for another knowing that there's somebody else that could go in like I don't I'm not exactly sure but Kaiser always seemed a little bit maybe aloof uh, perhaps that's a wrong assessment on my part. I don't know. I like Wimbush. I think his personality jives better with this collection of individuals, which is called the twenty team hashtag team one twenty nine. Wherever the hell iteration is it? Okay, it, whatever I iteration that, that whatever iteration that they're on now. Um, and but I think that he can be successful. I don't think he's like has a better chance at a Heisman candidacy than Lamar Jackson and I don't nor do I think that he should I mean the problem with Brian Kelly so many years before is that he's tried to turn a QB into that when in reality you've got three running backs who can crank out 325 yards on their own without your QB that's enough to win a shitload of football games yeah so if anything I'd look at if Brian Kelly 2.0 is committed to the run god I'm almost tempted to say Brandon Wimbush is like Everett Golson 2.0 before he turned into the head case who turned the ball over? Don't mention. The, don't the, don't bring him up. The guy that the guy that just d- hey, hand the ball off. You don't need to be. You know. You don't need to beat the world. Make passes when it. You know when they're needed to. And if things break down, go get your 80, 100 yards a, a, a game. That's all Wimbush needs to be. Now he needs to get his ass down before he gets decapitated. That well, is a that's problem. True. That is a problem. Uh, well, you, it wasn't a problem in this game. That could be a problem potentially down Georgia. the road. Hey, you listen. You get you get knocked. I mean, what Tommy Reese had to start against BYU, whatever game it was, uh, because Golson got his helmet popped off or got got a concussion or something like that. 
Well, that happened multiple times. Yeah, One time there I mean, was a, a phantom injury against yeah, Purdue when Reese came in, and then there was yeah. another where the helmet malfunctioned yeah, or whatever. Phantom injury was probably just lack of faith from from Kelly. N- nevertheless, I like I don't want to see him get hit, killed. I mean that that's the issue. I don't want to see him get targeted, get knocked out, get his bell rung, have to sit out, concussion protocol, get injured. That would be problematic, I believe. But I, as long as he's hey, look, I mean. 17 for 30, he a little over 50%, you know, okay. It's a, two TDs, one pick. I mean, it didn't have to be great as long as you can lean on the run. Again, my fear is Brian Kelly in years past has gone <laughs> from game one to game two running the ball a hell of a lot less. Not only that, the completion percentage historical in, in the first games for QBs under Kelly, Kelly 1.0, mind you, was 67%, okay, Wimbush was 57%, so he was already 10% lower than than the seven-year average. In game two, though, it goes down to 60, so it's a drop of 7% historically in the second game, probably because the passing attempts go up so much and the rushing attempts go down so much. Nevertheless, Kelly has shown a tendency to pass more at a lower completion rate for his QBs in the second game. If, if Wimbush only throws 50% and they're running 10 times less, I don't think that's a good recipe for Georgia, personally. Well, and hopefully this year, you know, we, once again, we have a new offensive coordinator, so one would hope that that, that person – you know, is involved in saying things like, hey, this looks really, really I, good to I have 300-yard rushers. Maybe we don't have to throw it just because things get a little squirrely against Georgia. I now, certainly hope so. As a fan, I got to say, we talked a lot in the past. I know Cousin JJ down there doesn't want to doesn't want to hear the name Everett Golson, but we talked about when Golson was running the ball at a 100-yard clip. Voldemort? Notre Dame was unstoppable when Golson was gaining upwards of 100 yards on the ground. They really were very, very dynamic, and that was the earlier days before he was – Let's use an analogy that you're comfortable with. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and out you in front of our entire listening audience. You are a huge horticulturalist, and I think what I like trees. I think what Kelly did was overwater. I think he overwatered Golson with with the coaching and the and and the the speeches and sitting down and giving him the you know whatever it was on the sideline constant and it, and it just it just blew up. And N- nitrogen head. burn is that nitrogen burn? But here's the point: when you watch Fumble the ball on three. Here's what I always find so interesting. This is a this is the type of game, even though they had spring practice, even though they had camp and all these things, you're kind of watching a quarterback just be instinctive and stay in his element. And lo and behold, the guy had 12 carries, 106 yards, 8.8 per clip, did some dangerous things, threw a couple passes that could have could have been picked. One did. I think he had one, right, in the course of the game. He did. So you know, some stuff to work on there, but I agree with, with what my brother said earlier, which is there is no um, looming cloud of, of another guy like the Zaire Kaiser thing. You know, Kaiser had to deal with all that. And right now, like, Wimbush is absolutely far and away the de facto number one. There's nobody else unless something catastrophic happened, which hopefully it doesn't. So I like seeing him work instinctively, and I really, really hope that they don't get him to the point where he's overcoached for lack of a better term so um moving on you you wanted me to kind of set you up here on the strengths and weaknesses overall i assume you're talking about of the team are there larger things that i'm I'm most interested in what you think might be a weakness why don't you start there i think we saw a lot of strengths everybody felt pretty good about things what did you see that was concerning in terms of a weakness there and there were some i mean this was a nice game i mean it's a 30 point win it's hard not to be uh, you know uh happy with that i mean the the gaudy running numbers, you know, the fact that John Heisler and Birch and the SIDs and all these people I could have to do additional research to find the last time that Notre Dame had three hundred yard rushers in the same game. Hey, if you gotta go in the library stats it's, to find a stat, that's a great thing. Last I heard was it was before nineteen 
54. Okay. Okay. And that's all, those are all really cool things. Um, Again, it's one game, you know, one one game does not make a trend. I mean, if they do this the entire season, they're, they're going to have a phenomenal season if they can stick to it. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you can't throw the ball when you're down. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, yes, you come out with a 35 yard run and back it up. What would you do if it was Notre Dame versus Navy, like 500 yards rushing on either side? I don't know Would if there's just enough time in the game for that to happen unless, it, unless there was just absolutely no defense. But Over for the time. record, I did watch the Navy game, and I loved every second okay. of it. Okay. I, I watched it. I they knew smoked it. Baby Kiff. Yeah, they, they put the wood to, to Baby Kiff. It was fantastic. I, I felt I did, they got, got – That's your adopted squad right there, it is, so it you got to keep tabs and, on and them, them, you know? No, I mean, at the end of the first half and, again, at the end of the uh, the game, I just wrote down, like, just my initial, like, gut reactions. I just want to capture those – of like strengths and weaknesses. If you want to talk about what I wrote down for weaknesses, I'm happy to uh, give those to you. Um, for the first half, I, the D line versus the run was a little concerning to me. Now they did make some adjustments, and I saw on Twitter, uh, whatever it was, I you know Temple had 50 rushing yards on their first touchdown drive, and only like 20 rushing yards the rest of the I game. I think it was 85 so. total yeah, for yeah, the yeah. game. So in the first half, that was a thing. Like D line versus the run was something that stuck out to me. It sounds like they did make a legit, new faces, you know, a, new coordinator, a, a decent adjustment. Mm-hmm. The 50 50 balls to the secondary. I mean, like just the ones that are just kind of like the toss up. Like there, you, you got a defender close enough to bat it down, and it's just kind of that 50 50. But not, not like a fade to the end zone, but just like high passes or or like toss ups. I don't know, man. It feel real good about that. Um, every receiver not named Equinemius St. Brown, I thought was a weakness. Okay. In, in the first half, I, mean, I, think, spe- that's, specifically. I think that's fair. And, and field goal kicking. Uh, field goal kicking. No, and, and one thing I did want to ask you guys, you know, I feel like maybe we they, they were working on this expansion last year in, in parts, and I feel like we talked about this, and I have not seen anybody else discussing this at all. Um, maybe we're on to something, maybe not. I don't think I think Temple missed a field goal too. That was a kind of a chip shot. Is there any possibility that with these new expansions, north, south, east, and west on all sides, that something crazy's happened to the winds that just down on the field you don't see the same wind action that is going on higher in the state? I don't, like I don't know what it is, but the the field goal kicking I thought was bizarre. That's absolutely true, and you didn't stumble upon that. I, I somebody will somebody will be able to bail us out. I know on Twitter because you guys are awesome and you're always right there. Johnny's on the spot. When they started building, it wasn't just about the noise. There was some sort of vortex swirl of wind that happened because of what they've done to the stadium. And I believe Kelly mentioned that there is something out there about the wind being different in the stadium because of the construction. I can't remember who exactly said it. That is a thing. I know it's a thing. Did this come from WikiLeaks? Who are you guys? I, there's I, something there. Look, if wind that, is a real thing. I mean, okay? I don't I mean, know. That's a real what phenomenon. Was, did you make a field goal? Was he over two? I don't have the exact stats on me. I, I guess I can pull him up. But I thought that was I thought that was kind of weird. I mean, um, Temple missed one too. Hey, look, maybe that's a maybe that's a thing. I mean, just like there's some. I don't follow baseball, but I know there's some stadiums that have like a shorter one side or a prevailing wind, or it's easier to go yard and you know different you know. Sure. Maybe that's no. a thing with Notre Dame Stadium now that it's just like deceptively really really hard to to kick field goals now. Yeah. That could be. And if and you know what? That's 
the kind of thing that could be a home field advantage if you know that and nobody else knows that and you start going for it on fourth down just playing the odds and the other team's trying to kick stuff from 45 yards and you know that there's some trick win that nobody sees I don't know but Ewan was 0 for 2 and their kicker was 1 for 2 but you would think that they would practice in the stadium and he would know that like you think I don't know, man. Well, that doesn't it's, automatically it's mean that he, you think putting somebody on a scissor lift, you'd know that too. But it's freak wind. You just you can't see it. I mean, it's just wind. Scissor lift. Oh, I'm just saying. I mean, well, like, the, the reality is when wind plays a factor in kicking. That's that's a cold hard reality, and it's only been there for a year under completion. So when you think about the construction that was happening, I don't know how much the team practiced in this stadium with the completed construction. Probably not a ton, but I, I think there's something there. There's something there. But, the answer, my friend, is blown, blown in the wind. There you go. So Somebody I'll, bail us out on Twitter. I, I, There's something there. I'll just give you the rest of my second half stuff. Again, weaknesses for second half. Not having Stefferson, I think, is a huge problem right now. Uh, uh, I know a couple guys did step up and make some catches. Um, Alizé Mack uh, maybe may consider changing his name back and taking the number 10 back because – all this TikTok yabba dabba did not translate to anything overly exciting on the field. Maybe his first game jitters. I don't know, but it, I mean, look, you whether it's the Notre Dame Twitter account or or Alize or anybody. I mean, and I coach a third and fourth grade team. Here's your first reference of the year for that. We got a kid with. $50 gloves and $90 cleats and every, you know, armband can't, you know, can't thing. catch a cold. Listen, you're, you're, if you're going to talk, you better back it. If just you show up gear wise. Just back right. it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Back it up. Don't, don't text me one, one hand catches on the sideline from a jug, jugs machine and then drop something in the numbers in a game. Yeah. That infuriates me. Yeah. That's, I agree. I, I, I Again, one game does not make a trend, but that's that's concerning. I did have any anybody not named EQ or Stefferson I saw as a weakness. Tackling receivers, again, I felt like tackling at the line was pretty good. I thought tackling at the second line, the linebackers, was slightly worse. I felt like – I just feel like the further you go back in this defense, at least from what I saw, the tackling percentage just just exponential drop. It, fr- front line, pretty good. Niles Morgan, Martini missed a couple. Eh, so so at the at the second level, third level, it was like you know throwing dice, man. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? cousin JJ, do you see the same same thing on defense? I feel like this is like an ensemble cast. Nobody looked like they were going to be a star. And again, you guys got to understand here, we're doing all this based on one game. But when we think about the Manti Teos and the Jalen Smiths, and and I'm looking at a guy, hometown boy, I'm looking at a guy like Drew Tranquil, and I'm like, I just, I just don't know if he's going to be able to vault to get to like this star level. Is this defense just going to have to be good through and through? I mean, there's really nobody that you're like, that right there is an NFL first round guy, bang, he's dominant. I mean, and there's so many guys like the, the Coney's of the world and the Morgan's. Of the, it's like you want so much for these guys to get up to that level and everybody's just kind of doing their job. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be a, a cohesive unit. There is no standout player. The biggest shock for me, the biggest stat shock for me, I mean, we've been a turnstile. We've been a turnstile for opposing offenses. I mean, they just run through our defense. And uh, Temple only averaged 2.3 yards a carry on 30-some carries. I thought that was astounding. I thought that was an absolutely amazing improvement on where we've been in the past. So I, I could not be more excited about that. And I think that the defense... You know, again, showed hope. I mean, there's a couple of blown coverages, but at the end of the day, I mean, I thought they performed exceptional. I did. 
Well, and I think that there might be a, you know, obviously we talk about new coaches, we talk about new players and everything. I, I don't know. In a counterintuitive kind of way, I feel like maybe the defense, for whatever reason, is harder for them to pick up than the offense. You wouldn't think that that's necessarily it because we all remember playing football back in the day and it was like, just go out and hit somebody if you don't know what to do. But you, I'm glad you mentioned the coverages. There were there were a couple times every year when I watch the first game, I print out the roster, right? Because there's no names on the jerseys. So I got to look at everybody's number. And then you got guys swapping numbers. Can we add the names to the jerseys, please? Take a poll on that crap. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Gosh, it's I, so annoying. We, we have more than enough tradition. I got no problem with that. Can we lobby the nerding propaganda department for that? I I went to the uh, roster. You need to explain to them how they can make money by doing that. Yeah, there you go. You Sell can no longer well wear that number nine Jalen Smith jersey because it says Smith. Now it number nine is Hayes. You'll have to purchase a new jersey. I hey, just, let's I, put name on jersey. <laughs> I just want to say in the course of the game, I frantically went to the roster about three separate times, and they were all blown coverages. That Those were the reasons I went. And these were guys that I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, he was supposed to be. So, again, it's a tough thing. I think if their quarterback was better, it would have been a much more much more oh, of yeah. an exposure. Who, who, who wants to hit my, tier, my tinfoil hat uh, theory on why they couldn't rush the ball? Let's Temple. Go. Let's go. And you're does not involve, talking about the 20 sack yards that's coming involve, out of their rushing does total, it involve right? wind? Did, did anybody see that, like, two-foot-wide visitor tunnel that they put in the stadium? Oh, did, yeah. Dude, they were cramping up walking through that, like, walking through sideways. Are you kidding me with look, that? That was amazing. best addition ever. For as much as people have talked about that thing, how it's impossible to fit through it, I, they're, they're going through too wide. Have you ever been on an airplane? It, it was one and a half. It was like a one and a half Okay, fine. It was like a love seat. A little snuggle action going through there. One and a half. I mean, it's not like their shoulder pads are touching the side the entire time. I agree. Down. What you're look, everybody in this, everybody in this room right now is over six feet. You guys weigh way more than I do, but we're all we're all well over six feet. You, have you been Husky. on a, Have you been on an airplane? I mean, you 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 just do what you got to do. It's not like. I know there's some things about in the and, past. And to be honest with you, when I come off an airplane, I feel damn good. So coming out of that tunnel, you're yeah, probably I ready can to breathe. fly. Absolutely. I can, oh, look at this expansive, perfect grass. I don't know, if, I don't oh, know if it matters on. or not. Look, I mean, Brian Kelly's average first game score is 37 to 17. They won 49 to 16. So clearly the visitor's tunnel is worth an extra 12 points on offense <laughs> and one point good to the I mean, defense. The locker there's, room no painted... other, there's no other explanation. It's the visitor's tunnel. What about the rushing and, and the relocation of the, fl and the flagpole? Right. I think people are just not used to seeing it. Like, okay, what? They have no hot water and the visitor's locker room's yeah. painted pink. Yeah. I, I, There's nothing to that. Trust me. It's are we going to talk about Georgia today at all? We are. I'm glad you... S Listen, I'll run the show. <laughs> all right? You need to back up. You get in line. I'm glad you mentioned that because, look, Temple, thank you. We love you guys. That was great. That was fun. You guys were a 10-win team, which we get to this now... was a 10-win team Somebody's last year. Somebody's minting a plaque somewhere for the Jack right now that says, 10-win team. We beat a 10-win team. Like they're Washington or something like that. <laughs> but let's, you know, as with all good things, let's, let's just move on. I, I hate to start with... With this sad note, but Georgia's they're without their quarterback. Okay, so he's not see. out for the year like uh, Fran he, Francois, right? Exactly. For but them. but he's out for the game, and I don't I don't wish bad things upon anybody. But how important is this game? Let's start there. Is this? What do you mean? How important is it to who? To everybody? to the Notre Dame fan? Uh, to no, what I'll you guys think about one. the Let team? 
I think that it's extremely important. I mean, Cousin Wes, you said it what was it last week or the week before, something about when Brian Kelly starts 2-0, and he on average wins 10 games. And That's when he, correct. When he goes, wins a, when, loses one of his first two games, he ends up winning 8 or I something. I thought you were going to say when he starts 2-0, and he's 8-5, and five, no, and when no. he starts 0-2, I mean, I mean, he's 8-5. It's five. no secret that winning your first two games it should give you a better record than only winning one of them. I mean, well, that's absolutely. not revolutionary, but yeah, their average record when they win their first two is 10-3. and three. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that this does set the tone. I'm, one to, I'm a believer that this is a huge... Huge, huge game. Now, this is probably the, the toughest game I'm going to pick almost all year. Like, I have no idea what to say. I'm not actually going to pick a winner on this podcast. You have to check our onefootdown.com, see my staff pick to see who I pick, because I need more time to think about it. Man. There you go. So we have Georgia. Their average four-year recruiting talent per 24-7, 5.75, and Notre Dame's is 12.25. So they have more talent than us. Um, you look at the coaching winning percentage. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to wrap my brain around it because Brian Kelly's all-time is about 72%, and at Notre Dame it's about 65%, which is abysmal. Uh, and Kirby Smart's is 61.5. But he's only been coached there for one year. And I've always said you have to have at least three years track record as a head coach. So what, what would I do with that? I have no idea. Then Eason, starting quarterbacks out, you have Jake Fromm in there. He's a freshman, four-star recruit. But, I mean, if, if Wimbush was gone, how would how would, that, would that change your opinion of who's going to win this game? Absolutely. So what do you do with this game? I mean, the stats are all over the place. Yeah, but I part of me, I wonder if they thought that he's like Georgia fans think Eason is the be all end all. In other words, I don't know if they don't believe that Fromm is better in ultimately anyways. Now having to be a true fresh, I don't know if he's a true freshman or if he's red shirt, but having to be his first start. I mean, the guy played three quarters of the game last week, you know, his, his QBR was actually excellent. He had I don't an 89.5 QBR. Maybe, maybe we can call this a hostile environment now because we have a jumbotron. I'm not sure what that means. Somebody's going to throw a lap blanket at him. <laughs> hostile environment. <laughs> I'm gonna t- the sweater has a cuff right at the front where it's yeah, hanging over exactly. my shoulders. What is, I'm going to throw it at you. Throw a crossword puzzle at the guy? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> hostile environment. <laughs> Give me a break. What's a six-letter word for eat this? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know, man. I mean, if I'll tell you what. If I'm Kirby Smart, I, I this, this is the same thing that I said. If, if Wimbush would go down... <laughs> He's got Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. Lean on your damn running backs in your line. Like, it shouldn't matter. If Georgia has a brain, it shouldn't matter. Here's a guessing game for you, too. How many yards per carry on 32 carries did Appalachian State average against Georgia? Take a, take a wild guess. Let's see if you can get closer. 4.9. 2.3. 4.3. I was okay. shocked. That was okay. much higher than I thought. Yeah. But how many did Georgia average? Do you have that? Five yards per carry is what they averaged. Okay. App State's well, not bad. Happy State, I mean, 10-year anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Dropping Michigan. You know, I think it's interesting, this game. Obviously, there's a team that doesn't have a lot of history. I feel like there's this weird kindred spirit thing with Georgia. It's the marquee program that can never quite win the big one. Now, the most of that was... between them and Notre Dame. And a lot of the, them were between the, Richt between, and Kelly. And, and right? Weiss. And Weiss, too, for that matter. Sure, sure. They were, they were freaky. I love the fact that Notre Dame's playing an SEC... SEC team. Let me ask you guys this. I love this. the fact that an SEC team is heading north of the Mason-Dixon line. I know. And go, coming to Can South Can we get, Bend. like, fake snow? Let's, I mean, just welcome them. Let's see them do it in November or December. They just come oh, on. I agree. E- either way, here for me, if I may. You may. This, Please. This game, to me, is a lot like Texas was when we opened against Texas in 20... At home? 15 and 16? 15, yeah. When they won like 36 to 3. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout like that. I'm just saying, like, when that game was scheduled, I was like, oh, geez, man. It's, you know, like, we're well, playing, Texas we're is gonna, a little different when that was that's scheduled. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not saying Georgia's not that now. I, 
But here's the point. Are you I, trashing Georgia? No, I don't know what they are right now. It's, nope. it's going to go viral. Are you trashing them? I don't know what they are. I mean, here's what I do know. It's a brand name team. I right, mean, beating right. Temple 49 to 16 isn't going to raise many eyebrows across the nation. It will to Notre Dame fans and people that were just curious to see it. or national media writers who take the bold, you know, go out on the big limb there and say, well, Notre Dame should be dramatically improved this year. Well, no shit. Yeah, you right. Know? Exactly. No, but I mean, like Houston's weather's dramatically improved this week. Yeah, I, it's, it's like Georgia is at least a name brand team. And just like beating the crap out of Texas the first time we played him, like that was a cool feeling. Now, by the end of the season, did it feel as good as it did when you beat him? No, it didn't matter at all, it didn't, right? They, they weren't what they thought we thought they were, right? By the end of the year. Yeah. So, we, we have mentioned that Brian Kelly needs to start winning some big football games. I still agree with that. Going into this game, it is a big football game, so his ability to get these kids hype and carry over the success from the Temple game is material in my opinion. However, it still is yet to be seen. Georgia could finish Finish the year seven and six and beat not really be that good, or they could be the team that went to the went to the Georgia Dome and played Alabama for the. We just you don't know yet, right? But to be fair, as it frames up right now, this is a ranked team, SEC team. Notre, this counts as a big material win in your words for Notre Dame, right? This at, counts at, as a big, at the moment it does, but right. but that's subject to change by the end of the year. It just depends on how they wrap their year up. They, if they implode the rest of the year, then who cares? I, th- I think yeah. I said you know if you beat Notre Dame last year, it's a, it's a marquee win. You beat Notre Dame, but at the end of the year, you beat a four and eight team. So it's like okay, you did it, but you know. So again, cousin Wes said you got to reserve judgment. Now, I have a question for you two. What do you guys think of Kirby Smart? Okay, Kirby Smart, for those of you out there who don't know, he coached under Bobby Bowden, uh, and then he had a long tenure under Saban with a one-year stint under Rick. But from 2004 to 2015, essentially, for except for one year, he was under Nick Saban. Um I'll be honest. I don't know a lot. I don't. I don't know if I have that many feelings about about Smart in particular. But what I think is most interesting about him being the coach is that Georgia is they're in a world that some of us, you know, potentially have imagined in our dreams before, which is this um, pressure has built of of I don't want to say mediocrity because that's not fair. Rick was a very very good coach, but there was a lot of people that wanted more and it was kind of like the less miles Georgia, LSU. Georgia there was did this... what Notre Dame didn't do last year which said enough is enough exactly we gotta bring so somebody else there in. was a lot of pressure building for some of the folks that wanted a high, you know they had a higher standard of of you know demand there, there's pressure there there's a staleness there even if you're doing well there's a staleness there's a repeat there's a there's just repetition that builds in with somebody Rick was there for many, many years, right? Like eight, nine years. I mean, he was there for a long time. So when he, I'm always leery of a new coach. We've talked about it last week. We've talked about it in the past on this podcast. I'm always wary of a new coach with uh, a catchy slogan, catching lightning in a bottle. I mean, and it's not- Demanding, not demeaning. That's That was Brian Kelly's new one. Demanding, not demeaning. What, that that was what he was going to be? That, that was his slogan, yeah, going okay. to the Okay, well, that's bigger than Brick. I mean, whatever <laughs> whatever it is, uh, I think that we've seen, I know Cousin JJ likes to go stat-wise, but this is an, a visceral, emotional, familial kind of game, and these guys get the players rallied around them. Look at the Dabo Sweeney's, look at the PJ Flex. I don't know if Smart's necessarily that kind of guy, but when you come in and say, "I'm, we're going to do something new, forget to a point, what you know of Georgia football, but we still got the logo and we still got the mascot, and and we're going to do this new thing. And and I think those types of teams are really really scary. 
that that's my only point on that. It's not so much about Kirby himself and whether I think he's able to come in and, and pick one off because I don't know that much about it. And, yeah, that's, and, and that's what makes this game so hard to predict because they have more talent than us. Uh, winning percentage for Kelly's better, but it's you know not very good at Notre Dame. And then you have the whole Saban thing. He's only been a head coach one year. I mean, what do you do with this? I mean, what do you do with it? Notre Dame can win this game if blank. Martin. If they run for 422 rushing yards, they're going to win. I'll, I'll take the words out of your mouth there, buddy. They, Notre, they can win the game if they run 422 yards. I, I mean, it's just a stereotypical answer for for any question. Uh, if we win the turnover battle by two, I mean, we win this game. Because I think that we're, we're pretty close, and we looked great against Temple. I mean, I'm hopeful, but... How about you, Cousin Wes? Well, I, I told you the stuff I jotted down for weaknesses in the Temple game, and I didn't get a chance to tell you the things that I, I thought were strengths. And looking at them, I think the things that were strengths against Temple could absolutely be strengths against Georgia. I don't know who I think is going to win this game yet. I'm probably inclined to say Georgia. But who the hell knows, especially with the uh, with the QB thing. Although I, I don't imagine that Fromm is that much worse than Eason. I, I just I really don't. Well, he especially, has great running backs Especially in the context of to. what their game plan is probably going to be, which is hand off the ball a lot. Yeah. Strengths from the Temple game, which could trans should translate to the Georgia game. And I think if Notre Dame's going to win this thing, they're absolutely going to need it. Run blocking. I mean, the run blocking look left side, man. Pretty damn good. You know, I mean, here's the Dude, thing. That, I mean, we've like been told ice, for the last two or three years. Breaker. Ronnie Stanley, Martins, I mean, like all these guys, Quentin Nelson, McGlinchey, like just year after year after year, you're told how Notre Dame's going to have one of the best lines. It just never seems to translate the entire year. I don't know if it will the entire year this year, but I'll tell you what, looking at looking at Quentin Nelson and McGlinchey. There were some big holes. I mean, any one of us three right here holes. could run for 100. Any one of us three could run for 100 yards behind those two dudes. Yeah. Not even – I mean, I don't even know if that's a stretch. No, it is I, a little I, bit of a stretch. But, I, but, I think but we, could get, we could get positive Run yards. blocking, man, if they can block like that against Georgia, things are going to go real, real well. Again, first half strengths against Temple. Josh Adams was not the like, man. I mean, that dude starts getting some – I think if those guys, and this is sort of the snowball effect, because if he has success, I feel like Kelly's not inclined to jump on Chip Long to change the plan. Right, right. So the, those things are those things compound. Yeah, I got no problem with just feeding the guy, the hot hand. I have no problem with that. Equinemius St. Like Brown, him. absolute strength of this team. I think he's a, he's a, he's a, er kommt aus Deutschland. He's legit, man. I mean, he's legit. I w it would be great if somebody else would emerge as a second option if for no other reason than they people can't start double teaming EQ. He's from Germany, do you know that? <sighs> Not I heard you speaking German over there. <laughs> Wimbush running. I think Wimbush running. I mean, that's a, I mean, again, the guy's got to get down. He can't he can't get his head taken off, but if plays start breaking down or looking squirrely, the fact that that guy will pull and go is that those are he's things He's got a he's an instinctive runner. He's things, got a spin move. Those, and those are things that break defenses down. Yeah. I mean, they, it's an X they factor. Are. That's what it's all about. We've it's an X factor. We've gone almost an entire hour with nobody except for me once, I guess, with the jersey comparison. Uh Dalen Hayes, I think is an absolute strength of this team. Dalen Hayes is a freak. I mean, was he, he the one that hurdled that dude? Yes, yes. Oh, he is. dude, that was. He sick. looks like, and, and crazy, crazy enough, he looks like a skinny. The fact that he plays D line, he looks like a skinny version of Jalen Smith. He is who, nine, who, isn't who, he? Who, same, is he the same? He's number nine. Same number. Yes. Okay. And he look, and Jalen Smith looks like Megatron, so it's impossible to compare anything. To yeah, him. but he's maybe a, he looks he's like a transformer, like an early Jalen. He, Smith. he is. I'm telling you what, man, Dalen Hayes. 
I, he, we, we should have he, said he has the potential maybe to he, be the star he, guy. He was a strength of this team against Temple, and if he continues to develop, will be the best player on the defense. I don't have any doubt about that. I don't. It wasn't close from what I saw in the first game. Yeah. It wasn't close. Running back depth, I think, is a strength. I keep running them, keep rotating them, keep going, man. Again, I got another shout-out to Dalen Hayes and another shout-out to EQ in the second half, and I honestly believe Chip Long is a strength of this team right now. Seems so. I it think seems so. so. I mean – it seems like Brian Kelly finally gave him the reins. It just never felt with all these other OCs that Brian Kelly let go. I, I mean, this offense is I very different. That Kelly didn't have a choice in that. Maybe, maybe you think <laughs> you think Daddy Schwerbos came in and said, "That's it. You, he's calling yeah, the plays. You're I done." Know. I mean, people people had mentioned to me, "Man, Brian Kelly really looks relaxed in the presser." Josh called me up. Subway Domer called me up after his post game thing. He's like, "Man, Brian Kelly really looked relaxed in this." presser you know he was like I, you know i was like well i mean he adapted i guess but did he have a choice i mean the guy was totally humbled in front of the entire world he was pantsed in front of the entire college football world and nobody apparently wanted him the guy was maybe shopping for a job and couldn't find one so if you've been completely humiliated you have no other option and Swarbrick's like, hey, you're st- we're stuck with each other. This is the way it's going to be. I assume that's how it went down. Yeah, and we're not just talking about who's actually calling in the plays verbally. I think that's the million-dollar question. It always has been with Brian Kelly is who, who's, whose mind is actually going into the offensive play calling. We've talked about that many, many times, and I think we still don't know, but it felt hey, like— Mike Haywood started out 20, 20, 2008, so listen, we'll see listen, how it goes. Sure. I, I, I'm a college football junkie, and I probably watched three or four of uh, Memphis's games last year, so I actually looked at their offense, and that, the offense that was ran on, on Saturday was very, very similar to what was ran last year, so it was it was— pretty darn close. Well, you just informed me that Memphis averaged 422 rush yards last year. I think the story I think the story with Georgia which we can all agree How here is How many Memphis fans were tweeting which one's their most viable Heisman candidate? Right. Comes exactly. AJ. Basketball. Dick. I think we can all agree that it's it's kind of refreshing to have a, a game coming up that we don't know that much about. We caught, we probably could have talked a ton about Michigan State yeah, or even right. a Michigan, and it's like, look, this is kind of an unknown, and that's great because we get to it's just we get how, to it's glean. Just, it's just how Texas was exactly. We get to glean some insight from what we watch in the game itself, which I think is really exciting, and that's what the that's what the game should be about. I don't want to do a complex breakdown because I know everything about Georgia. The reality is I don't, and I want to see Notre Dame just hey bring somebody up from the SEC. I've heard of them. I've heard of Georgia. Bring them up. People don't come here for complex breakdowns, even though they often get them. Bring them up and bring them on. Fan reactions, which we're very adept at. As far as the rap, did you guys? What do you guys think of uh, anything else from the college football world? Cousin JJ, you junkie, did you watch FSU Alabama? Pretty much what you expected. What I expected there, I expected Alabama to win. I picked them. I I think you both might have beat me this week in the staff picks. I wouldn't think I picked Alabama. I wouldn't doubt that. I'm pretty sure I've run the table at one foot down on the staff picks the last two years. Well, this is my first year. Yeah. Uh, the West Virginia was what got me this this, this week. So yeah, well, we didn't start off with the big Peanuts. with the big matchup like che- that. But. Check out staff picks. Check out all the wonderful articles. Subway Domer put some videos up from the uh, press conference. He was there. He'll be up there again for Georgia. A lot of great content at One Foot Down. We appreciate them hosting ND Fan Radio and our, uh, I guess, our quote unquote parent company, if you will, SB Nation. We're happy to. Uh, Happy to come to you every week. We're going to do our best to have these shows posted by Tuesdays at noon. Tuesdays at noon. It's Indie Fan Radio. Holla at the monkey. Go Irish. Go Irish. Be Bulldogs. <laughs>